Hi there. It's me, Laura Wasser, the divorce attorney and the founder of It's Over Easy, the online divorce service. I've been practicing family law for over 20 years, and I've worked on thousands of divorces, shepherding people through what may be one of the most terrifying times in their lives. Along the way, I often have to remind people to lower their expectations. When dealing with matters of the heart, rules simply don't apply because all's fair in love and war. I'm Laura Wasser. I'm Johnny Rains, and welcome to our brand new podcast, All's Fair. So for as long as I can remember, I have been totally fascinated by human relationships, human nature, interpersonal relationships, love, loss, passion, conflict, forgiveness. And so it's really good that I'm a divorce lawyer, but also having the kind of conversations about these relationships, I'm really into it. That's something that obviously other people are interested in too. So we created this All's Fair podcast to talk about those kind of relationships. I can relate. Well, not to the practicing law part, but in my former life, casting reality TV shows like The Bachelor, Super Nanny, what I found most rewarding was having a front row seat to watch the way real people create relationships and deal with their kids. So those of you who know me know that my approach to family is a little different than most people's. I have two boys from two different dads. We all spend Thanksgiving together. My philosophy is kind of the more people in your tribe that can support you and love your kids, the better it is. And it doesn't have to be a traditional family. It can be whatever works for your family. It's 2020, and we can safely say that we're living in a time where we define family however we like. So as we're talking about defining families, some people do it the old-fashioned and somewhat boring way, marrying, getting pregnant, having kids. Some are more progressive. Speaking of which, Cameron Diaz just announced the birth of her daughter, Radix, aw, whom she calls a miracle. She and rocker Benji Madden just became parents to a little girl they named Radix via surrogate. So juxtapose the bliss of that moment with what happened over the summer in New York where they voted to keep paid surrogacy punishable by a fine. How is that possible in 2020 or 2019? Uh, it's amazing to me, but it was funny because I ran into our friend Kim Kardashian West at a holiday party this year, and I said, did you know that surrogacy is illegal in New York? And she said, yeah. And I said, would you come on the podcast and talk about that with us, among other things? And she said... Yeah. So, Kim, welcome to the All's Fair podcast. Thank Yay. you for having me. <laughs> I feel like I, I am a surrogacy expert. I love that. And I know you're an expert on a lot of things, but let's start with surrogacy. You've had two kids by two different surrogates. Yes. That's Chicago and Psalm. Yes. So tell, and I know you have two older kids that you carried naturally. Tell us yes. how... What all happened? Because I think some people don't know. Yes. So I got pregnant with my daughter, North, and I was actually with Chloe to do all of this blood work and testing with a fertility doctor because she wasn't getting pregnant. And I said, look, I'll go with you. It'll be so easy. I'll get my blood work. We'll just, I, I love to learn about anything that I don't know about. So the doctor came back later and said, oh, Chloe, you're fine. Your egg count's great. But Kim, we need <sighs> to talk. You know, you have, your egg count is like nothing and you're, you know, so that kind of freaked me out for a little bit. And I said, okay, well, why don't I just get off the pill? I'm going to Miami to shoot Courtney and Kim take Miami. I'll redo it all. And the plan was to freeze my eggs because all the doctors said you should freeze your eggs. Right. So I said, I would do that. Let me go to Miami for two months, clean out my system off the pill, come back, freeze my eggs, go to Miami, get pregnant the next month. And so, which that happens a lot too. It happens a lot. Start thinking about not stressing. In Miami, Miami it happens a lot. No, as soon as you like have a plan or aren't stressing or go in one direction, like adoption, tons of people this happened to in the 60s and 70s. Oh, we're going to adopt, or we did adopt, bam, we're pregnant. Okay, so now you're pregnant. What I learned was when you're on the pill and you're going to check any of your egg count, big mistake. Just don't do that. The pill is supposed to suppress all of that. Mm -hmm. So you cannot know if you're really supposed to do any of that until you're really off the pill. So, And didn't this doctor kind of give you that tip or no? No. Okay. So I changed doctors. Yes. And got pregnant with North. The doctor pulled me aside because I was still legally married to somebody else. Oh, I remember Which you know, Laura, because Laura's my attorney, for those of you that don't know, (laughs) but was in a relationship for seven months with somebody, with my husband now. But at the time, I didn't know, were we going to get married? Were we going to have this baby? It was all new territory to me. And I was so scared. 
And literally, I thought I had a a miscarriage because I was really heavily bleeding and in so much pain in Miami. Went in because you have to go and do like a DNC to like clean out clean a miscarriage. Out, right. And it was Thanksgiving morning and my doctor said, come in in the morning and we'll do it after, you know, Thanksgiving night so no one will see you. I was so worried people would, you know, found out it's the first time I ever got pregnant. Mm-hmm. I was so nervous. So I went in and there was no heartbeat. And he said, oh, you had a miscarriage, you know. And then Thanksgiving morning, I came in to do it. And he said, there's a heartbeat. Wow. And so I was like, oh, my God, this is a sign. It's Thanksgiving morning, you know. So we ended up obviously having North. And I had a really bad pregnancy. I had Mm. preeclampsia. I delivered six weeks early. She was four pounds. And I had something called placenta accreta, where the placenta grows inside your uterus. Sounds really painful. So yeah, it's it's like honestly what people would die from in childbirth. So you have to get the placenta out within a certain amount of time and you just can internally bleed. So there's no choice. I mean, this is so graphic and gross, but he had to literally cut the placenta off with his hands, with right. his like fingernails. It's so gross inside of you. Right. And it left a hole in my uterus. Right. And so that muscle doesn't grow back. So I could not get pregnant with Saint. After I had North, luckily I did go through the process of getting embryos and tried to get pregnant for about a year and a half, could not. And so they said I would probably not get pregnant. So I used one of the embryos and was able to get pregnant with Saint. The same condition happened. Um, it was a little worse the second time. And so it was like my mom, I remember her being in the delivery room and just saying like, I've seen it all, but I've never seen this. Like I've never experienced this. So they were about to do a hysterectomy and we were able to get the placenta out just in time. And I ended up needing five surgeries in the next year and a half to internally fix the damage that was done, which was really crazy and really traumatic. And so the doctor, I, I wanted, I had two embryos left. And it's really interesting because when you get embryos, when you explain this to everyone and they they don't know, when you get embryos, you can do further testing, genetic testing, all the testing that you do in the belly. So right. Down syndrome testing, genetic testing. And in that process, you find out the sex of the baby. So that was really hard to me to know I had you know, what do you put in? Do you put in right. a boy? Mm-hmm. Do you put in a girl? How is this? You know, there's that, like for me, I was like, well, I, I don't know what was supposed to come right. to me. So right. I just said, put in the healthiest one first. Okay. And that's just Makes how sense. I did it. Yeah. And I kind of knew that having another kid was going to be maybe my last because they said you can really only go through it about two times before you need your uterus removed. Right. So got pregnant with saints. I knew it was going to be a boy. And then... I really wanted another baby girl, and I so knew we at, had that. at this point after Saint, now do you and Kanye start having conversations about, I don't, I don't know that we're going to be able to have another child. I can't carry it. I don't know. Well, I asked the doctor, and he said it would be malpractice if I put an embryo inside of you because you will for sure, having gone through these conditions twice, you're going to need your uterus removed. Right. And it's just, it's not fair to do to your body. It's like... You know, you can literally die in childbirth from this. And in pregnancy, I mean, I had every issue, you know, breech baby. So you had miserable pregnancies too, both. I had to do a version. Um, I did that. And if anyone, I mean. And then I they mean, turned back. Oh, mine didn't, thank God. <laughs> but What's I was, a version? We have to turn the baby oh. around. First, we tried the mugwort next to the toe. Did that. that. Didn't work. Then they did do that. the thing where they actually puncture. The th- they turn the whole baby around. I got a and bed that big. would flip upside down. And so I'd have to lay there upside down. Right. So you basically have to, to do a version. It's like very timed out to where you have to do it like three weeks before delivery because you need enough fluid around the baby to be able to move the baby. Okay. But you go into the hospital, you check in right. because if any heart rate of the baby goes up, you immediately go into delivery. So you go in, and I mean, this is like so gross to say. That's okay. But I think a doctor has to put like his f- yes. fist up you right. oh. to, to make to sure the head doesn't the come down. Okay. See, the thing is, just to be clear, because Johnny's never given no. birth with really, me. never um, will. <laughs> you, you, they really don't want you to deliver a baby that's feet, feet first. first. That's oh, really okay. dangerous. Okay. So you need a head okay. facing downward in the birth canal. And the way I always grew my babies, both boys, was their head was right here. Yeah. And their little butts were right here. And they were just sitting there waiting to come out. Yeah. So you turn them. Okay. So yeah, go so back to this really so, fun so experience. And by the way, you're in a it hurts. hospital bed. Oh, it sounds horrible. Oh, it hurts horrible. worse than delivery. Yes. Yeah. Well, I don't know. <laughs> I, mean, I never delivered. They just cut me open it, after that. And yeah. you're doing it after being in this 
aversion bed that you were talking or the well you for weeks and weeks you're trying okay, to go it. to a chiropractor and turn the baby and use this like sage burning incense on your toes like they say all this stuff right. will help turn the baby it, none of you it you need work. a fist up your yeah. vagina yeah. basically is what basically. you okay, so <laughs> basically please continue so <laughs> there's a fist you know a doctor's <laughs> fist up you and then there's like two other doctors like basically lubed up your belly mm. and is like manually finding the butt and finding the head and turning the baby in the most painful. Ex- so, but there's no pain medicine that you could possibly have. So you're like sitting in the hospital bed, just like screaming while they're turning the baby. Once they get it to turn, they put this belt on you right. and so have you lay there in a like certain position for about an hour. And then you can go home and With pray that it the- worked. Wow. Well, so yeah. to me, not so much because literally the next day when I they was took like, the belt off. I was like, what? <laughs> I just turn. watched it turn. I was like, oh shit. Which one was it? Luke that was or Luke because I didn't even try with Jack. I mean, I had both C sections. Both my doctor yeah. both times was like, please let's not do this. He's turned. We can't turn him back. Let's just do the C section. Yeah. And at that t- point, I was like so tired and exhausted. I was yeah. like, fine. My doctor was Paul Crane, who, who delivered, delivered me. He yes. was my mom's okay. gynecologist. Okay. And so he delivered me, and he's super old school. And I was like, we can deliver breach. Like, I got this. Like, I know how to do it. We can do it. And I just was too Scared. nervous I about too. it. Um, but so after that, awful pregnancies, awful deliveries, mm. everything that could frustrate you just did and medically go wrong did. So I knew I wanted to expand my family and I wanted to have a baby girl. So I knew nobody that had had a surrogate before. No one could really give you information. And I I mean, I wanted to know so much. Like, okay, if you have two babies that are, I understand if you have like two girls and you can't do it and then you have a boy with a surrogate, you're going to feel so much love for that boy because you've never had a boy before. Like how is it going to feel if you've had a boy and a girl and then you bring in a new sibling that you didn't carry? Like am I going to feel the same? Are they going to look like me? Even though you know every ounce of DNA is ours. I think sometimes you really have to explain that to people. People will say, oh, the baby looks like the surrogate. Like I'll see the most... (laughs) <laughs> ignorant comments like, on sorry, my page. That's impossible. Like <laughs> yeah. it's actually impossible. They share absolutely no DNA. Right. It is Kanye's sperm and my egg, and it is our child one billion percent. So sometimes you really do have to spell that out for yeah, people. Yeah, and that's and and being even open to that kind of I don't I wouldn't call it ridicule, but just kind of ignorance. Yeah. I know you also have spoken about the idea of kind of giving up the control, which by the way, yeah. as a person who's carried to term, you know, you kind of give up control anyway. Yeah. But now th- you're not even carrying the baby. It's in somebody else's body. There's a huge, I-, I know you and I are similar in this way, like control issues. What is she eating? How much is she sleeping? Is she stressing? How is her health? Will she b- be honest with us about it? All of those things going on. You're not there. You can't control it. And I have to imagine that there's still some kind of pre-birth hormones happening even though the baby's not in your body because you know it's coming. You know what? I have to say, to spell it out for people, you get an attorney that is just a surrogate attorney. They know all family law. They know every state law. They, you know, California is, I think, one of the only states where the baby legally becomes ours in the third trimester, where other states, I believe, you have to... No, they can't change their mind because it's legally your baby. Right. Um, oh, but could they terminate? No, they can oh, never okay. terminate. But you have to like go through legal paperwork after the fact, like an adoption almost. Okay. Even though it's legally your child. Right. Okay. So California has amazing laws that it is automatically our child. Third trimester. Third trimester. Um, so once, in, in our case, once we got a surrogate attorney, then I got a surrogate broker that would go to different agencies. You can easily call one agency and, you know, see who they have. But I had someone go to multiple agencies in California. It was important to me to find someone local so I can attend appointments. Um, they gave me a pack of people. I went through and there's photos and family photos. For me and my situation, what was important to me is to find someone that was in a relationship or had a supportive partner, right? Had children of their own mm-hmm. and didn't 
smart. One other children and then had been a surrogate before, so knew the feeling of giving up a child. That was important to me. Okay. And so I expressed those things and I found a really amazing candidate. Race didn't matter to me. Nothing. And that seemed to be a topic that people would ask me all the time. Hmm. Like, does it matter? Like one of my surrogates was black. One of my surrogates was white. One of my surrogates carried a Chinese baby before, a black baby before, a white baby before, and I think an Indian baby before. So it's really interesting that there is absolutely no DNA transferred. So it's really funny to me when someone would say a comment on something like, oh, your your child looks just like your surrogate. And I would (laughs) be like, well, she's my my surrogate is a totally different ethnicity. Like it made made no sense. So after I found a perfect match for our family, I did have a conversation with her. So you can go completely private right. and not and never have even the person, speak to her. You can maybe set up an email address and a different name and communicate that way or speak. It was important to me that to know her, to, know her, to have her know who she was doing this for as mm-hmm. well, because I would never want someone that maybe wasn't a big fan. Right of maybe me or my family Mm -hmm. and then is watching a show and my baby's inside of them and they're, you know, talking shit about me and, and, you know, (laughs) like I just wouldn't ever, I would want that person to make that choice as well. Right. So we did have a conversation. We both, uh, both times really had great feelings for each other and both experiences were really different, but really amazing. Now tell our audience why it is that you use two different women. I used two different women because I actually planned on doing it with my first surrogate again, but she got pregnant on her own right after with her own own baby. Yes. And she wasn't planning on that, but I'm so happy for her. And she was so happy, but so nervous to tell me because we had planned (laughs) on doing it again. And so I thought, you know what? I'll try it again. And it was just as easy to find a surrogate a lot of people, I think, are fearful that, oh, what if this woman runs off with your child? And every agent that I speak to says, absolutely, that never has even happened. It more this comes is the an job. issue. This yeah. is what they right. want. This is, you know. These women love helping families. Mm-hmm. And they say the one issue that they run into is the couple breaks up. And then they oh, have yeah. custody issues. Right. Or both of them say, like, well, it's not my child. Wow. Right. And, and that becomes, that's their biggest problem that they've ever run into. But never a case ever of someone tries to run off with your child. So, okay, you said you, did you attend OBGYN appointments with the surrogates? Like you saw them, you met them. It I wasn't did. just over the phone. So you met them. How close did you get? And is this anybody that you even still keep in touch with? Or when it's done, is it done? I went to both transfers mm-hmm. when the baby was transferred. Mm-hmm. I still stay in communication with both of my surrogates, maybe not on a daily basis or anything like that. I think everyone respects each other's privacy mm-hmm. and space. And you kind of plan that out ahead of time. Right. I think that would be important too. I, I can imagine that that would be an important thing. And again, it's different. My other fascination is like egg donors and IVF, mm-hmm. I mean, that kind of stuff, because that is a different, that's a shade different in terms of genetics and biology and all that. This seems a little more cut and dry, but it is. Totally. I would want to know in advance there is what a the therapist. rules are. So for my first one, I didn't need it for my second one because I kind of knew the drill. So you get your surrogate attorney, then you get your surrogate broker. broker. Uh-huh. And then the broker recommended that we use a therapist that would communicate with me first and then communicate with her and kind of be our liaison. Okay. Towards the end, we got close enough to where we could communicate really without that, but would suggest, hey, I think you guys should communicate once a week through text, maybe on Mother's Day, she's a mother as well, maybe get her a massage or something that's appropriate for her to pamper her. Things like going through the birthing plan so that if anything was uncomfortable, that she would be that buffer to say, like, this is who I want in the room. What are you comfortable with? How does this work? Were you in the room? I was in the room both, both. times. For now, how both about times. Kanye? What, how involved is he in this? I mean, this is kind of a chick thing, but it's his yeah. kid, so yeah. and he's busy, I know. So how did he meet her? Did he go yeah. to the doctor's appointments? So both surrogates that you know we used were very comfortable with Kanye being involved any way he wanted to be. 
For the first surrogate, we both met her and then met her husband and their kids came over to our house. She had, you know, two younger kids. So we felt a really good vibe from the start. I felt like the second time I felt like, oh, I got this. Right. Like, I'll, right. I know what It's like having your be. second kid where you're like, you exactly. don't need to come to every appointment, honey. Totally. <laughs> I'm good. Okay. Totally. So Kanye came to some at the beginning. Right. And then, you know, with the second one, I, I don't think he really was involved really more until the end. But... Yeah, it was just, it's totally, I think, from my experience, especially because he was more involved when I was actually pregnant, it was whatever I needed him to be involved with, mm-hmm. but he was there for both deliveries. And so for the first one, he was not in the room. We had a connecting room. So him and Courtney were in the connecting room because I really feel like, you know, Courtney's done this before. Yeah. I really needed a, a support, a girl support system. So as soon as the baby's born, this is also what's interesting is... So I chose to stand behind her shoulders and be behind her. I didn't need to see full frontal. But both surrogates were very comfortable. Like, it's your child. You can stand wherever you want to stand. I your husband can be in the room. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's a little screaming. I think you made the right choice, but go on. Sorry. <laughs> so I stood behind. I saw the baby come out. And once the baby comes out, we had a connecting room and there was a hospital bed. And I was in a gown, like a hospital gown. Oh, I like this. So the baby comes out, the umbilical cord is cut right away, and the baby comes to me on oh. my chest. Skin so on skin, skin, skin right to skin, right from the beginning, as if like I birthed her. Right. And so then both times I, you know, especially with Chicago, she came out and I, she was like my twin. So I was like, okay, God really did this to show me that like I'm connected because I was so worried at first. Yes. And... Then it was, you know, I asked her, do you want to hold the baby? And she was like, no, you know, I'll call you before we check out, like, tomorrow. And I I would love to hold her then. Right. So professional, so great. And, of course, before she left, I let her hold the baby. But she had said that her, you know, previous family didn't even want that, and she's comfortable with that as well. And then same second surrogate, we had the connecting room, but there was a – uh, curtain and Courtney and Kanye were in the room, but behind the curtain, so they were like a little bit closer this right, time. Right, and I did right. the same thing behind, you know, her shoulders. I was so surprised at both of my surrogates had the easiest deliveries. That's great, like so That's easy. Great. One or two pushes. My son saw him. Literally, the doctor couldn't even get his gloves on. He just came out, and it was so Amazing. easy. And That's why they're surrogates. Yeah, yeah. So. After hearing all of that, what astounds me is that there are still intelligent people that are so anti-surrogacy. And again, what we saw summer 2019 in New York and what we saw, again, a lot of really progressive thinking feminists saying this is not okay. Now, a big thing that I've been reading is the reasoning has to do with that it really only benefits the wealthy and that it also puts the wealthy in an advantage over the less wealthy because obviously there's money changing hands. Question, and again, not you personally, Kim, but I'm sure now having done this a couple times and spoken about it, what's the range on how much something like this costs? And of those costs, how much of that goes to the surrogate versus the lawyer, the broker, whatever, the therapist, all the other people? And the hospital. You cover all the medical, obviously. Yes, you cover all the medical. But um, what does one get for being a surrogate? And again, give me a range, not what you guys pay, just from what you know. Yeah, I would say the cost to the surrogate would be anywhere between fifty and $80,000. And I would say it costs about $10,000 to retrieve your eggs and mm-hmm. to get the embryos. It costs about $3,000 to do the extra genetic testing. But and those things anybody that's having IVF is also doing, right? Yes. Even if they're having the baby put yes. in them. So now, but so this, it, I would say it would cost max $120,000 thousand dollars if you maybe use a broker mm-hmm. and I would say minimum maybe eighty thousand dollars. So it is definitely a a large expense. Um I do think that I do know that both of my surrogates were extremely grateful for the opportunity to be able the to make this money. And what I also thought was really interesting was 
when I was looking through the packet of women that were chosen for us, I would say more than half of them came from Navy or military husbands. Their husbands are in service. Right. And they're gone maybe eight to 10 months a year. And so sometimes a whole pregnancy can happen while they're away in service. Right. And that is something that really comforts them. Mm -hmm. It provides a financial gain to their family. I, I know that I've spoken to a few surrogates now where their husbands have been in the military and they are so grateful and they love it. Yeah, no, I mean, it definitely seems... I'm always against the idea that a woman can't choose what she wants to do with her body. So for people that have been such large proponents of choice... Now to be able to say, you know, you can have an abortion, but we're not going to let you choose whether or not you want to carry a child for somebody. That Actually, we're going to fine you if you yes. do. That's what happens in New York. The fact that it is illegal in New York is so just wrong to me. It's, it is mind-boggling. And I have friends that live in New York and would want that as an option and can't. Right. Most of the states, listeners, so you know, in the U.S. either have no law on this, and so there's nothing to be found, so there's nothing that prohibits it, or allow it. It's Arizona, Indiana, Michigan, Nebraska, New Jersey, New Mexico, and New York. Uh, The aforementioned ones, everybody but New York, just finds the contracts to be void and unenforceable. But New York actually prohibits them. So they are the most conservative in, in this respect. And again, it is interesting. It's New York State. That's yeah. where Manhattan is. Right. Yeah. We'll have a link to that on our website. Yes, for all of those. Okay, so let's move on for a second since we started talking about law a little bit. I know how interested you are in law. And have you thought about any laws on this or are you really still pursuing stuff that has to do with criminal justice? I'm really focusing on criminal justice. I mean, right now I'm focused and have to take they call it the baby bar. Uh-huh. So just I a remember one when day my mom version. took that. Yes. So I'm kind of in mode for that, which is like, I think, heavily torts contracts in crim law. It's interesting because now that I'm studying it and having lots of conversations with my surrogacy attorney, who's a good friend of mine now, and just hearing about all the contracts and even reading over the little provisions in my contract, like I understand it so much better. Right. So I can be more a part of the conversation. Yes. Which is really interesting. But half of my apprenticeship is a lot about working on what's current. And Mm -hmm. that's, you know, policy and individual cases. So all of that's crim law. Got it. So I read an Instagram, because I follow you, Instagram post the other day where you posted the plaque that Kanye got you, the Cartier plaque. And it said, this is your life. Married with four kids, get people out of jail, cover a Vogue, go to church every week with your family, dreams come true. Does that sum it up pretty well? It does. It really does. He sent me that text message when my solo Vogue cover came out last year. May. Yeah, in May. And I think that was right, I think it was the one-year anniversary of Alice Johnson. It was... Tell our listeners a little bit about Alice Johnson, because if you, I, I don't know if you, why you're listening if you don't know Kim very well. You're not listening from me. But anyway, <laughs> yes, tell them are. about that, because this really is, I think this is a side of you that people don't really understand what you did there. Yeah. So basically, I saw online um, on Twitter a case that I thought just really wasn't fair. A woman who, um, just to put it in perspective, had lost her, I think, 15 year job at FedEx. Um, had five kids. One of them died. Her eight-year-old died in a motorcycle accident, just got a divorce. The husband left her to take care of the whole family. And someone at her old job said, if you answer the phone and you say this sentence, you'll get $1,000. And she was like, okay. Some jumbled sentence that was some, you know, code word for, you know, she was like a phone mule. And then she kept getting called back to do it. And it was a big sting operation. And she was just trying to put uh, food, food on, on the, the table. table. And she has a huge family, lots of sisters, big you know, family. And so when everyone got arrested and she didn't know who, didn't know quantity, didn't know what, she knew it was shady, but didn't know exactly the specifics of it. 
so many people did these plea deals and she, her attorney advised her not to do a plea deal. And I think it was like a two year, uh, two to five years or something. She turned it down because she had kids and she couldn't be away from her kids even just for a few years, ends up getting life. And so when I saw same first time offense, Mm -hmm. someone that's a nonviolent offense to get the same sentence as Charles Manson, that just didn't compute to me. I couldn't understand it. So I sent a text message uh, with a little clip of her story to Sean Hawley, who's an attorney that, a criminal attorney that worked with my dad on the OJ case. And I just said, this doesn't make sense. I don't understand. Is it that she doesn't have a good enough attorneys? Can I pay for attorneys for her? Like I was really naive to how the system works and what was the deal? How could this happen? And so we connected with her attorneys and worked on it. And I found out that the only way to make, you know, something happen for her was to call the White House. And so I absolutely did. I called Ivanka and I felt like as a woman, she understood me and heard me and said I should speak to her husband who was heavily involved in that. And um, we were able to go to the White House and we had a meeting and it was canceled and I was so upset. And then we had another meeting and it was on Alice's birthday in May. And so I was like, okay, it's a sign. It's meant to be, it's on her birthday. I'm going to go in and we are going to sell this and we are going to, we have to get this done for her. And so we did. And the president was really open and compassionate about Alice and I'm so grateful. And so is she. And we made it happen. So is this a one-off or is this something that could really happen? Like, I, I think I've heard you looked into other cases, you're looking into things. This obviously happens more than we would like. No system is perfect. You yeah, know, there's I, thousands of Alice's. So after that happened, I got contacted by Van Jones yeah. to do an interview. And then Van and I just started talking a little bit and he was like, you really have a knack for this law thing. And I was like, well, I'm obsessed. Like it's, you know, when I was a kid, I would look through all my dad's OJ filings and I mean, crime scene photos, like stuff I should not have been looking at. (laughs) Right. And on the weekends and Courtney used to be like, get out of his office. Like, what are you doing? And I just always was really into it. So Van connected me with his law firm, Cut 50. Mm Mm-hmm. And a girl named Jessica Jackson and Aaron Haney and was like, we can do this. We can figure out how to go through law school in California. You could read the law and you can, you have to, you know, 18 hours a week. It's like no joke. It's, it's law school. And we stay committed to doing that. And so through that, I have to work on policy with them. And we got the First Step Act passed. Amazing. Yeah. Which um, I think has let out over 20 5,000 people now under that, which I believe totally happened because of Alice Johnson. Absolutely. And because she got out and put a face with justice reform. Right. And instead of reading about cases and hearing about these stories, people saw her. They saw her run out to her family and heard her story and understood that this great-grandmother could not be a threat to society right. anymore right. and never was. And I felt this compassion really happen. And so there's been, I've worked with a bunch of attorneys and attorney, uh, Brittany Barnett, that was Alice's attorney mm-hmm. that I partnered with. And I mean, we've gotten, you know, 25 something people out just from all of her hard work with her partner. And it's been amazing. Like it's it's literally what I do all day long. People are sending me cases, and if I feel like I can help, right. I can. And we shot even a documentary on oxygen called The Justice Project, mm-hmm. and it features a handful of really sad, heartbreaking stories. That my goal is to like put a face with each problem that we have, so people can understand what you read on paper isn't necessarily fair and like the circumstances behind someone's story, you just really have no idea what someone's life has been like and what drove them to do what they did. And it's not necessarily their fault. And if it is, people can be rehabilitated and entered back into society. And I really hope that it just sheds more like light bulbs on and people can see that beyond Alice, like people that have actually committed murders and crimes, like you just don't know. I said I would never work with people that violence is involved. That's 
I had this like wall up and then I went to go visit prisons and I started to talk to people and hear their stories and my heart totally opened up and I hope that this documentary opens up hearts for people just like mine was. Because the circumstances are always so different and we probably can't even imagine what some of these folks have been through before their incarceration. Especially if in trial, their circumstances aren't even allowed to be presented because they have, you know, a bad attorney, they have, they're just getting the wrong guidance. Or they're taking plea bargains that maybe they wouldn't otherwise be taking, but they feel like they've been given no choice. Or people are forced to take plea bargains because they know they have no shot. Like if you told Alice, should you take a plea bargain, you'll get two years over life, and she spent 23 years in you absolutely would take that plea bargain. It reminds me a lot of what you say about the family law courts. I mean, you both know the law better than I do, but what Kim is saying is so similar to what you often say about, you know, the way that the courts work. And I know in the criminal justice system, they're overloaded. And that's one of the reasons why so many black and brown people end up in jail because it's just like this sort of streamlined process. Absolutely. It's insane. And just to think that, you know, I'm raising four black kids and two sons. And if, you know, I I want to see a different system from my kids and their friends and their kids. Absolutely. And it's really insane. No, it really is. And I think, look, we have a system of law, again, whether it's family law, which is not nearly as serious in most instances, or criminal law. And you apply those rules. Oh, it's but serious. There's a lot of money involved, Laura. <laughs> yes, I mean serious. serious in terms of like saving no, the world. But, but really, you apply those laws to the facts. And generally, it works. Yeah. But in a lot of instances, it's the detail. It's the things that people don't always think about. And because our system is so crowded in both of those fields, there's mm-hmm. not time. So yeah. people need to reexamine it. People need to get back in there. People need to help. I think what you're doing is amazing, so important. And I also think it is a great example that you are setting for your kids because Thank they you. see so much of the good that you're able to do. What does the rest of the family think? I've seen clips of, you know, eye rolling, oh, Kim, whatever. And we'll oh, talk no. a little it's bit. It's all fun and games. Like they, they love it. They... I'm like their go-to legal advisor at this point. They're always asking me. me. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I get lots of calls like on the weekend conference calls. Can we ask you one thing? And I'm like, I don't know anything about that. I don't. (laughs) Yeah. You must get that all the time because everyone calls me and I'm not even a lawyer yet. So lawyers and doctors. Also fun fact, your dad was my mom's family law attorney, right? Yes. Yes. For those of you that don't know, my my deep roots with, with Laura <laughs> and her initials are law, which I think is just meant to be. Maybe. I mean, I fought it. I fought it until I turned 40, and then really? I finally just succumbed. I didn't ever tell oh, anyone I, I was so embarrassed. Acceptance. It was oh, my so God. Geeky. I love it. <laughs> All right. Let's talk a little bit. When does season 18 start? End of March. Yes. So one thing that I know is everybody. I might need an attorney when that episode, first episode comes out. Uh-oh. Well, that's what I was going to yeah. say. So you ended 17 at odds with Courtney. And I know you were just on Ellen talking about it. How's it gets it going? a lot worse. It gets worse before it gets better. Before it gets better. Okay. But, you know, we're a really close family. Yes. I can't imagine it the all works out. allow things to get too yes. much worse. Our family's never dealt with this before. Okay. So it definitely gets worse. Was it like a Megxit? <laughs> um, no. Okay. It wasn't. Okay. It was a little violent. Did you see what your mom posted yesterday? No. Of you coming in and hitting Chloe? And then the Jonas Brothers, I think, tried to. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was like, <laughs> I hit and I missed. I was like, I'm. You got one good punch in. I really? Did, oh, yeah. I'll that was with again. a purse. That and, was no, like. Then you got season. a good arm punch in. Really? I was, as a big sister, I was like, go, girl. You did. Really? <laughs> oh, my gosh. I, I just, all I remember is like the miss and everyone right. just making fun of me for oh missing God. with the purse. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Get out. <laughs> They were so mean to me, guys. That was our Bentley yeah. episode. They couldn't be happy for me that I had saved all my money and worked really hard to get a car that I never dreamed I could ever have. And then I get it. And I remember the guy made us wait because my something wasn't ready. And they were so rude to the guy. I mean, this was years ago. This is like, you know, 10 years ago. And so I drove over there, and they were so mean to me, and I tried to hit her with my purse, and I missed. I just remember <laughs> when we had your mom on the podcast, she told a story about yeah. how when you were little, you made a deal with your dad 
that you would work and he would match you because there were these Those, tennis shoes yeah. that you wanted to buy that the had Louboutins. like high heels. The, no, yeah. they weren't Louboutins. Yeah, they were. Oh, they were? Yeah. And they were like a high heel. No, they weren't Louboutins. They were, they were Manolo Blahnik, oh, right, right, Timberland right, right. Right. Boots. boots that had like yeah. a heel. Right? Yeah. Because we like our heels. Okay. Yeah. And you, you made a deal I with said, Robert, can I buy like up. 10 of these? on your credit card and I promise you I'll pay you back with interest within like two weeks. And he was like, okay, but he would make me sign a contract and... This is how my parents were too, for yeah, everything. For Curfew, everything. I had to have like a whole argument lined up and, and then I negotiated my brother's allowance for him too and took a oh, cut. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. This was oh, like I didn't go that cut. serious. I didn't wow. go that far. I didn't know that either. I grew up with her. Oh my gosh, that's <laughs> so funny. That's so Laura. I had contracts for everything, but yeah. not no negotiations. So yeah. now I'm going to You got to get in the transactional side kids. of things. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, Johnny, do we have anything else we want to ask him? This has been amazing. Well, let's talk a little bit about self-care. Okay. Yeah. Oh, and the refrigerator. Yes. Do you want to talk Speaking about the refrigerator? Yes. <laughs> um, yeah, is there food in your fridge? There is. Did There's you a see? yogurt machine. Okay. Which well, is my... litter sprinkles. <laughs> yes. So I took a picture. Yeah. Just, you know, posing in my skims, walking around my house, trying to get like content. Those fridges, I got to find a picture of what they used to look like. That's actually, I have to do that. Hopefully I have it. I had every kind of soda you could imagine, right. every kind of plastic water bottle you could imagine, and we've cleaned out our whole house to get rid of all single-use plastic and most plastic mm -hmm. everywhere, right. not well just single-use. Well so we had just cleaned it out, but I was trying, I just have like one or two water companies and just, that's like drinks, that was only a drink section. Right. So... You know, everyone, of course, zoomed in and thinks I starved my kids because <laughs> there was nothing Wait, in the could fridge. Could you even yeah. starve your kids if you wanted to? Like, kids don't allow for starving. They, they will be don't. asking for food and you will be getting it because they would be so annoying. So yes. there's no there's starving of kids. It was bizarre yeah. that people, they were like, these headlines, like, were baffled over Kim's empty fridge. So I took them into our real fridge, chef right. kitchen that has, like, it's a restaurant kitchen and showed him our real fridge. And we have two fridges in there. And you know what Full else? Full of food. You know what else I'm going to do? I'm going to go back today because I'm heated again. I actually have four <laughs> fridges that pull out. Six fridges that pull out with tons of stuff. I'm going to start opening them and giving more fridge tours. But yeah, so I have like a whole, a whole walk-in fridge right. with... You know, everything that we use and pantries and... We were most impressed with, as Laura the said, the, the yogurt and the oh, blue the glitter. Oh, the yogurt machine. The blue yeah. Gl yeah. edible glitter. Yes. So no, does anyone well, have any Courtney allergies? Would uh, yes. So that's why I have... They were like, how come you have so many different kinds of right. milk? So my son doesn't have lactose. Okay. My daughter, Chicago, only drinks oat milk. North drinks regular milk. And Sam isn't into milk yet. You need. I have almond milk for guests, and you have to have everything. You gotta have so, milk. Got yeah. milk? Yeah. <laughs> yes, she does in every single flavor. You're listening to the season premiere of the All's Fair podcast on iHeartRadio. I'm your host, Laura Wasser, and today we're with Kim Kardashian West talking about life, love, and relationships. So turn up the volume, sit back, and let's get back to our conversation. So we talked a minute about when you were on the gorgeous, gorgeous cover of May 2019 Vogue. And I know that was the eighth time you were on the cover, but this was the only time you were like, only you. U.S. Vogue. U.S. Vogue. Okay. Yes. So I had done a U.S. Vogue cover with Kanye. Yeah, I remember. And so this gorgeous was my photo. first. Thank you. So this was my first solo cover for U.S. Vogue. Okay. But I had done other countries. And it was good. I like it. I'm looking at it again right now. It's very natural. Very natural. Yes. It's I like also that. so powerful, too. That's what, one of the things I really like about it. So right now you've got KKW Beauty. Yes. And I wanted to tell you listeners that there's free shipping on domestic orders over $50. Yay. Also, Skims, which, oh, I want to talk to you about this because I love Chelsea Handler. She's yeah. been on the show. She's a friend. <laughs> yeah. Thing. I remember running and I was like, that's Cabo. Was it Cabo? Yeah. So we were all going to Allison Azar's yes. birthday. Um, her, my best friend's 40th birthday in Cabo. And so Chelsea called right before I was leaving and was like, can you bring Skims? I want to wear Skims. And so Allison wanted tape and all the girls wanted stuff. So right. I, I packed up a whole bunch of stuff and brought it to Mexico. And then next thing you know, <laughs> I walk down to the beach and I see from like far away, I see Chelsea in her skims tape and she like taped it down. It was so funny. <laughs> Who was filming it? 
Just one of our friends, one oh of the my girls. God. It was so funny. She is hilarious. She is so funny and just she looked so amazing. And she was just running down the beach and then doing a whole photo shoot on the rocks. It was she's so, so funny. So one of the things that I love about your Skims ad campaign is the fact that you use real people. I remember when Allison did it with you. Yeah. They look like us, they look like normal people, and they tell their stories, and it's amazing. And I feel like every single one I hear is somebody saying, for years, I was looking for something like this. You've said I used to wear layers of different ones, and the other brands that just can't seem to do it, or they're so tight, and you can't breathe, and you're, I mean... You should hear Shelly. She just goes on and on and on and on about oh, it she because sent me, she can't like, believe them. Yes. She sends me notes on everything. I have a rack that's like the Shelly try-on <laughs> section that I have to send to her just to make sure that it's to her liking. So what's the thing you wear the most? I love like our sculpting short. Okay. I, I like sculpting bodysuits. I just like to feel snug. Yes. And then pajamas are a really big thing for me. Yes. So for holiday, we did pajamas and a cozy collection. But as far as shapewear and even the boob tape, you know, I've the been- The boob tape's brilliant, by the way. I don't taping really need up. it, but I'm definitely going to go in for some of the shorts and the waist thing, the I thing that you wear. You yeah. yeah, you should have. Yeah. But I'll remember. I'll remember. Everyone you. is I'll stealing it. I tried to like video it this morning and everyone comes over and just takes my stuff. Even if I've worn it, right. they like take my stuff. And so I, I hardly have any more at the house, but I, I just wrote the team and was like, I need like a Skims showroom. Right. Because all my friends come over and when I'm going someplace, I love to bring something. Mm. Is there a men's line in the works? There is not a men's line, but I've been getting such a large request yeah. that I feel I mean, like I need to. I have I on my Spanx to. right now. Really? Yes. Oh my no, God, I want to talk to so. you. You're wearing Just Spanx to hear right what now? you like about it. Oh, my I, will, I need God. to. I, I want to talk yeah. later. I just need to know that you heard this and that we can be talking about it later. <laughs> Holy shit, you're wearing Sphinx. See, Revelation. I wanted I want to be, you know, have a cool version. I already have my materials for men that I already right. think is so amazing. So I'd love your opinion Johnny on it. Johnny, because you're a shapewear wearer. All right, can we ask her the interrogatories now? Yes. Okay. Let's move Kim? On. Yes. Do you swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth? I do. All right. Which relationship in your life has had the most profound impact? Wow. I would say my dad and my mom. Honestly, my husband, my kids, I I don't know. I have such a big family. I would say because maybe my dad's not here, I have such a deep, like, connection and longing to the memories. Mm -hmm. And I feel like what he instilled in us for so long. I was 22 when he passed away. Mm-hmm. So I feel like I got a good base. Like base. Right. I was just going to say base on um, like a good foundation of what he taught us. So I feel like that has lasted the longest. But my mom obviously has taught us so much in our adult life about business and just how to treat people. I think, you know, it's they're both really strong relationships. You can have two. I will allow that. Yeah. What's your favorite love song? I would say Kanye's only one, just because it's more personal to me. Mm-hmm. And talks about our daughter, and it's just, you know. What is the one piece of advice you'd share with either your 20-something-year-old self or someone following in your footsteps? One of the girls, somebody that you just... But again, let's make this you. So if you could go back nearly 20 years and talk to yourself at that time, what would you say? I wish I was more confident starting at a younger age. I really gained a lot of confidence when I met Kanye, and mm-hmm. he really pushed that with me and helped me gain confidence, and I wish that I knew that sooner. But everything else, I love I love all of the craziness and mistakes. Like I really do think that you really learn a lot, hopefully yeah. if you don't make the same mistakes over and over which I hope I don't. I love the journey and I wouldn't really change a whole lot. I just would maybe hope to be a bit more confident at a younger age. I like that. And then I probably wouldn't have made some of those mistakes. Which romantic comedy could you watch on repeat? Oh my God, The Holiday. I was watching it all 
All the season. holiday. All the holiday. <laughs> yes. Yeah, and yeah. I was trying to get Kanye to watch it with me. I'm like, because he loves like Star Wars. Like we have two totally different yes. movie types. And I just was begging him to watch it. So he finally put it on. And after five minutes, he's like snoring. And I was like, <laughs> I just want to watch the holiday. But I watched it by myself so many times this holiday season. That's nice. That's yeah. a nice one. Yeah. All right, so Kim, thank you for having us over, and thank you for being on our season premiere. This is huge. Mm. I wrote you a thank you note, and I'll say what I say in there, which is I can't even express how <laughs> grateful I am. True. Keeping Up with the Kardashians airs on E! Sundays at 9 p.m. It probably won't start for another month and a half. And if there's anyone in the audience who doesn't know how to keep up with Kim Kardashian West and her family, how can people find you and what you're up to online? They can go to, here's my cell phone number. You can call me. I'm just kidding. They can check me out on Instagram. That's at Kim Kardashian. And Twitter at Kim Kardashian. And that's about it. Another interesting one, which I follow probably because Johnny saw me up, is the KKW Beauty website, which is amazing. It has amazing stuff on it and deals and stuff like that. Excellent. Thanks, ladies. Thank you. Thank Thank you. How amazing is she? She is amazing. I think Daniel, our sound editor, said he was like, not a word wasted. I mean, she's very eloquent, well-spoken. And gorgeous. And gorgeous. Very psyched that she's doing this law thing. But again, I really want our listeners to get a handle on the surrogacy conversation. Because just like you and I have always tried to focus on the evolution of dissolution and changing the way we as a culture approach divorce. Yes, I think we as a culture need to change the way we approach surrogacy. There's this article by Ali Rosen that was in the Washington Post. Surrogacy is misunderstood and unfairly maligned. We need to change the narrative. Absolutely. In fact, she points out that more and more children are born through assisted reproductive technology every year. That includes in vitro fertilization. You know, it also includes surrogacy. Again, if you have thoughts on this, experiences, or if you strongly disagree with us, Glorious Dynam, let us know. We would love to hear from you. Also, there's a very important article that also came out last week. woman who was acting as a surrogate for a family died while giving birth. So sad. They've actually started a GoFundMe page for the woman and for her family. She was the mother of two other kids. Her own kids. Her own kids, yeah. So you can go to GoFundMe and search Michelle Reeves. That's R-E-A-V-E-S. They have reached $76,718 of their $100,000 goal as of the end of January. So look into that if this is something that interests you. Thank you so much for listening to our brand new show, All's Fair, hosted by me, Laura Wasser, on iHeartRadio. Rate us at Apple Podcasts and follow us after the show at It's Over Easy. We'll be back next week. So see you next Tuesday, as I like to say to Johnny. Yes, let's (laughs) chat then, shall we? Bye. Bye. 